Sister Nelson. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Real quickly, got uh, one announcement that I'd like to uh, bring to our attention. Um, if we've got the time right, on next Saturday, October 5th, um, at 12 noon, we have the rehearsal for the choir. 11. At 11 o'clock a.m., on Saturday, October 5th, we'll have the first rehearsal of our choir. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. That's good news. Amen. Amen. Um, also, some other good news as well. I uh, want to let you know that we have finished the repairs that we had slated for our air condition. 
Um, we, it's no longer leaking, praise the Lord. So that is good news. We've got our drain working properly. And that's a big load off of my shoulders. Amen. And off of ours as a congregation. So we're just looking and thanking God for all that he is doing. Amen. Amen. And once again, to continue to keep the family of Reverend A.C. Taylor in your prayers. What a shock. What a shock that it occurred when it did. But the Lord knows best. And we're just looking to pray for that family, that they have comfort in this time of bereavement. Amen. 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 And I think that's it for now. So let us turn to the book of Haggai. Haggai, chapter 1. We're going to continue in our series of sermons or teachings on building God's temple. Amen. The book of Haggai. Amen. Chapter 1, and we're going to be starting at verse 8. When you have it, please say amen. 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 Haggai. Chapter 1, starting at verse 8. And if you can stand, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Haggai, chapter 1, starting at verse 8, you will find these words. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and bring Build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruin. While every one of you runs to his own house, therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. In our series of lessons on building the temple, today I just want to speak with you for a few moments from the thought, the answer is up on the mountain. The answer is up. On the mountains. Amen. Tragedy. 
commonplace All kinds of diseases People are slipping away The economy's down People can't get enough Folk without homes, people living in the streets, drug habits, some say can't be me. There are muggers and No place seems to be safe, but you've been my protection every step of the way, so I say thank you. surrounding verse 8. In our previous lessons, we have seen that the Lord has revealed their calamities and that their calamities were due to their unfaithfulness to God. Their unfaithfulness was manifest in the fact that they were not taking care of the temple of God. And God said to them on two occasions, 
consider your ways. And so as we look at this text, we find that God spoke to them in their context. Israel was in the context of an agricultural nation. It talked about how they sold much and brought to little. They eat but do not have enough. And so now we're moving on toward the end of this pericope of scripture and we see that in verse 9 he says, you look for much. But indeed it came to little. God is not bringing about this calamity and these hard times on the people of Israel because he's a mean God. To the contrary, he is a loving God. And he loves his people. The Bible teaches us that he chastens whom he loves. This is not punishment in the sense of condemnation, but in chastisement to get the people of God to do what God requires of them to do. He loves his kids just like we love our children and we want our children to do what? Obey. But it's not just about obeying because good parents will look at their children and see down the road and see the issues of life and the traps that are before them and we teach them while we have a chance to walk circumspectly on toward God so that they can miss some of those ambushes by the unexpected. And so we're not just looking for obedience, but we're looking for their good. We're looking for their future. But we know it starts with obedience because we've been down the road a whole lot further than they have and we have bumped our heads and bruised our knees and broke our feet walking in ways when we disobeyed our parents. And now we're looking at our children, teaching them and admonishing them in the admonition of the Lord to do the right things and to walk right so that they can follow that path that is not full of so much pain. But pain self-inflicted. So here we see that our loving God is just dealing with his people because they're bringing this really on themselves. This is sin, folks, because they are not obeying God. From the very beginning in the garden, because Adam did not obey God, thorns and thistles entered. Where he had to, to work by the sweat of his brow just to survive and not to thrive. And so here once again the consequences of sin because of the apathy of the people of God toward the things of God. So what we see here is that because of their apathy, because they have decided that it was not time to build the temple, then even in the things that they did in their agriculture, in their businesses, as they were looking forward to their forecast of great bumper crops, when they got to the bumper crop, it wasn't even there. They looked for much, but it what came to look. This text is showing us that we got to put God first. It is so easy for us to put ourselves first and our own needs and believe and try to justify in our own minds that that's the right thing to do. 
See, in the context of Haggai at that time, the people of God was getting much resistance toward trying to rebuild the temple. And because it was an arduous task and the enemy was trying to stop them, they justified not doing anything by saying it's not time. But how easy is that for us today? We may not have an Assyria or we may not have a Babylon coming against us, but we got things working against us. We got economic conditions. We got jobs. We got, we got bills that need to be paid that sometimes we justify not doing for the house of the Lord because we have already gotten ourselves in situations to where our money is tied up in the things we want. But instead of going to the Lord and asking for forgiveness, and trusting Lord, to, the Lord to supply our every need, we justify not doing the things of the Lord to take care of ourselves. Now we see in this text, he says, I blew it away. The God we serve has got all power in his hand. And he is well able to blow all of your goods and all of your services and all of your profits away. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. But when you get the script flipped, look for trouble. Because God is teaching us to rely on him. To put him first and let him supply. See, here's the situation. The situation is they're falling back in to the curse. Because the curse put Adam in a place where he had to work by the sweat of his brow. Because of that disobedience, now they're setting themselves up for barely surviving. But God wants to be the supplier of our every need. That's why he's saying look first at the temple so that he can be God in their lives and supply their every need. There is a positional, there is a formula, if you will, for serving the Lord. And that's to put his things first. The first things first. On the first day of the week, we come to worship. Our first fruits, we ought to give to him. Because God should be what? First in our lives. But God is so gracious. He didn't just shut down their crops and blow it away without giving them a reason. And he says, because my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. We're still living in that context today. We're still in our contemporary world. It's all about me and it's all about mine. There is no reason why the house of the Lord should ever be looking less Beautiful than our own homes. I mean, we culture our homes. I mean, we have the serviceman to come out yearly and service our air conditions and our furnaces. We make, we're looking at the houses and making sure they're painted. We're getting new carpet in the house and making sure it's plush. And we're, doing, we're painting the walls and we're adding things to the wall. We're strengthening. We're looking at our foundations and trying to make sure they're dry. I mean, we really take good care of our houses. But we forget about the house of the Lord. 
But this text is showing us it is better if we did all that for the house of the Lord and forgot about our own houses. Because God would take care of that. And so we want to get the best that God has for us. Remember when God was talking to the children of Israel when they were getting ready to enter into the land of Canaan. He told them that they were going to enter into a land where houses that they didn't build. And there would be crops that they didn't what? Plant. The spies went in and saw that the grapes were luscious and, and just bountiful. So God was showing them, I will supply. You take care of me and I will give you that which I have for you. I will give you that that exceeds that which you would ever ask or think. But we get it flipped. And so therefore the people are dealing with the problems they're dealing with here in Haggai because they are selfish and apathetic toward the things of God. They're not walking with the Lord. They're walking in themselves. They are afraid of the enemy. Even though the enemy is no match for God. Their faith is down. We talked about that. That their faith is waning. They are in unbelief. So this text goes on to say, therefore the heaven above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. In the agricultural nations, me being a country boy from Texas, I know all about planting. It's going out and preparing the grounds and using the millibuster to create rows, and then we're planting the seed, fertilizing the soil. But after I get through doing all of that, planting, spacing, fertilizing, and covering up, all I can do is wait and wait upon the Lord. As in the words of Paul the Apostle, he said, I planted Apollos waters, but it is God that giveth the increase. Sometimes we think that we're able to do these things on our own. Because we're now in an industrialized nation, the industrial revolution has occurred. Now we're with the AIT great superhighways. So things don't look like the agricultural nation that it once was, but yet still God is in charge. You can't find a God, I mean, you can't find a job unless God finds it for you. It doesn't matter how beautiful your resume is. No matter how carefully you pick the companies to submit it, no matter how tuned it is to that requisition, if God does not touch the hearts of those employers, you will not get that job. So it ain't all that different because God is still in control. Even though we may be sitting at a desk tapping on a keyboard, he can still stay the dew from heaven. He can still prevent us from being able to keep that job. Even if we have it, layoffs come. The winds blow. And if God doesn't keep that position for you, you're blown just like the wind. One day you're in cube 363, tomorrow you're outside. And there's nothing you can do about it. So knowing that so many things are out of our hands, why don't we put it all in front of the master? Why don't we put it all first so we don't have to worry about it? 
When we know that we put the kingdom of God first, we don't have to worry about struggling with all those things because he will supply our every need. So looking at this text, we see, for I call for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, and whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. God shows in verse 11 that he is sovereign. He's in control of all things. From the bum on the street to the president in the White House. That text says on men and livestock, on the animals, on the fields. God has control of it all. But when we neglect the things of God, God shows forth his power and he shows forth his requirements for us to get back on point. And he will show us that the very problems that we're having in our lives are due to our disobedience, are due to us putting God on the back burner. So this text is telling us we need to get about the Father's business and put it first. And then let God add unto our lives instead of subtract. Because that's all we're going to do. We're going to be like a gerbil running in place if we had to do this thing on our own. If we try to deal with our own stuff and neglect God, we're going nowhere. Now, since the Lord, you see his chastisement, let's see his instruction. Let's go back to verse 8. Go up to the mountain. And bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. In this text where it talks about the mountains, the mountains that the Lord is referring to is the mountains of Lebanon. The high mountains of Lebanon higher than even Jerusalem. The story is told and it's customary to say that all roads leads up to Jerusalem. But the mountains of Lebanon take it even to another level. And let's see what's in the mountains of Lebanon. In the mountains of Lebanon are the cedars. But not any cedars but the mighty cedars of Lebanon. Even the psalmist who wrote Psalm 92 talks about these cedars. He says that the righteous shall flourish like a palm and grow like the cedars of Lebanon. There's something special about the cedars of Lebanon. And God says, in the midst of all of that you're going through, you can correct it right now by going to the mountains. By getting up in the place above Jerusalem where my mighty cedars are that I created. He talks about these cedars. We find that these cedars are at an altitude of 3,300 feet to 6,500 feet in the air. They're up high above the muck and mire of the world. They're up high so you can see beyond the conditions 
of the world. That's where he wants us to go, up the mountain. He wants to get us out of our own selfish ways. He wants us to get us out of our own condition of muck and mire, but get up on the mountains. And up on the mountains are these cedars that are evergreen. They grow year and they grow year in and year out. That's how he wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be seasonal Christians that just grow for a little while and then we go dormant. But he wants us to be evergreen. But in order to be evergreen and growing, we got to get up on the mountain. We got to get up above the clouds of despair and the clouds of concern and the choking out of this world. We got to get up on the mountain. And up on the mountain, there's these great cedars, a hundred feet tall, and their trunks are six feet in diameter. Tall enough, as I say, to be in disguise and look over the human condition, to be able to look past people's problems and see their need. Because God says in his word that we need to be lifted up and seated in high places in Jesus Christ so that we can look down over the condition. Because when you're down in the clouds, you're down in the smog, it's hard to see. But you can see real clearly when you get up on the mountains. So God is saying, go up on the mountains so I can show you myself. Go up on the mountain so that you can be like cedars of the Lebanon. As we become into his image, we grow taller in his word and stronger. We see that these cedars are six foot in diameter. So they can take on the contrary winds of life. When the great hurricane winds blow, these trees can stand. They're evergreen and they're not brittle. They can bend, but they're also super strong because of such great diameter. That's how we are to be. The psalmist said we will grow like the cedars of Lebanon when we're righteous. When we're righteous, when we're obeying God and living in him, we are strengthened, but we got to do what? Go up the mountain. We got to get up there. So that we can grow in righteousness and be close to the master and we do it by obeying him. By putting him first and the things of God that he may be what? Glorified. See the problem is when we do anything and everything for ourselves, God is not glorified. But we got to get up the mountains. We got to get up the mountains and get those trees, those cedars of Lebanon. And then we cut them down and come back and make the glorious temple of God. It needs to be made out of good wood. And we need to do the same in our lives. Some of us are living in unforgiveness. Some of us are living in strife. Some of us are living in dissension. Some of us are living in adultery. Some of us are living in fornication. Some of us are living in lying. Some of us are living in envy. Some of us are living in jealousy. But that's not good wood. That ain't good wood. That's not the cedars of Lebanon. But we need to be living in love and joy and peace and on one accord in unity. By the grace of God, now we're going up the mountain. And then it's not hard to see to put the first things first. But we got to go up 
the mountain. We got to get up there where those great trees are that we can build that which glorifies God. So as I come to a close, it reminds me of another great tree. This great tree was in the midst of the garden. But after Adam and Eve sinned, God blocked it. Because they didn't need to stay in the state that they were for an eternity. I'm talking about the tree of life. But through the first Adam, sin entered the world. But now we have a second Adam that now gives us back the right to the tree of life. We're marching on the king's highway. We're trying to get to that place where it'll be howdy, howdy, and never goodbye. Does S-U-N will not have to shine because the S-O-N glory will be shining all over the land. I'm talking about getting to that place where in the presence of the Lord there is the fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. We gotta get up, get up on the mountain so we can see our master. We gotta get up on the mountain so that we can see our Jesus. The Bible said, he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we, oh, that we might have a right to the tree of life. Don't you want to have a right to the 
But the salvation of the Lord is right now. Why don't you come today? Praise the name of the Lord. He can save your soul. And there is room at the cross. There is room at the cross for you. Demetria Brockman for being with us this morning. He's going to be with us all day, playing a special role, and we appreciate him so much. And my daughter, Samantha, as well. She's going to be with us all day and playing a special role as well. And my beautiful sister, amen, who's here with us. Just real shortly, if we got a little time here, it looks like, just want to explain a little bit what happened with my sister coming in. It's just so wonderful. I did not know that she was coming. All my other sisters and everybody, they were like, no, nobody's going to be able to make it. And she had talked to my other, one of my sisters and told her that she wasn't going to be able to make it. So we went out to enjoy my wife's birthday at Longhorn Steakhouse. So we arrived at Longhorn Steakhouse. Everything is kind of normal, except we kind of went to a Odd place, just kind of by ourselves in the corner at a table. After we got there, I didn't think nothing about it. I said, oh, maybe they just want to sit on some comfortable seats. <laughs> and so the waitress comes up and is, is looking at the, uh, had her pad, and she's asking us what we need to drink. And she says, I have somebody that's, work, that's in training alongside me. And so my, my sister had a wig on. She was dressed just like the folks at Longhorn. And I, I looked back and I said, can you sing? Messing with her because I know she's trying to train. And she said, oh, no, no, I can't sing. I can't sing. And I said, hmm, 
this lady sound like my sister. Couldn't be. They walked away and I looked back and I saw her walk away and I said, man, that lady sure looks like my sister. And then they came back again and got to the point where it was time for our salads to come out. And she said to me, let me see how she said that. She said, here's your salad, sir, but can I take a bite of it first? And I looked up and she pulled that wig off and there was my sister all the way from Front Royal, Virginia. Amen. Man, I am on cloud nine and I ain't coming down till she's on the plane going back. Amen. What a wonderful blessing for us. Amen. I love her so much and I'm so glad that she's able to be here. Amen. Praise the Lord. Can I say something? Have anybody ever heard of a speechless preacher? <laughs> <laughs> My brother could not say nothing. I was done. He looked at me and he looked at me and he did not move or anything. Then when it came to, he got up and just hugged me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I tell you what, I think I've been given instruction to uh, pray over the the food for our dinner as well before we dismiss. So I'm going to go ahead and do some praying right now. Amen. Let us bow our heads. Eternal God, our Father, Lord, we thank you for the food that we're about to receive. Lord, we ask that you bless it, O God. But don't just bless the food. Bless those who prepared it, Master. Lord, we ask that if there's any impurities, O God, that you remove them. And let it be adequate for the nourishment of our bodies. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. 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 And for those that are going to have to leave, whoever will have to leave, let's have our benediction. Amen. Let us stand. Amen. (laughs) Where he Lord, let it be full with all the jewels of the world. 
And Lord, we want to be so careful to give you all the praise and the glory. As we go from this place, some of us to our prospective homes, Lord, I ask that you put your holy hands around us and keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Amen. God bless you and God keep you. Amen.